Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Good to see you guys this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Bucky, and we want to welcome you to Watermark, and thanks for coming to hang out with us today. Maybe you're a first-timer, and we just send a special welcome to you. I know sometimes it can be weird coming to church for the first time. What do you expect? And, you know, it's, it's always, no matter what you do for the first time, it can always be different. But we just want to make it welcoming, a welcoming place for you, a loving place. So we just thank you. Afterwards, we're hanging afterwards and love to talk to you, get to hear your story, get to know what's going on in your life. But thanks for coming. And if you have any questions, certainly let us know. There's a connection card in the seat in front of you. If we can pray for you and serve you anyway, just fill that out. You can drop that in one of the offering boxes around here. We'd be happy to follow up with you. But we're just glad that you're here this morning. It's fun that we got some rain in Orange County. You guys excited about that? I mean, it doesn't rain in Orange County, right? All of a sudden, it's raining. Is that so fun? I got to see my, my grandkids play soccer yesterday in the mud, in the rain. It was so fun. I mean, the water's coming from the sky. They didn't know what's happening. You know, where's this? What is this? You know, they, that's rain. <laughs> and so we had so much fun. And, and uh, it's great to have some water in the OC. And then what about sports? Is this a flourishing? Talk about the word flourish. This is a, a sports nirvana right now, right? Because we've got baseball, playoffs, Dodgers. We've got football, UCLA and USC. They both won yesterday. We've got pro football today, hockey's kicking off, and guess what? King James is coming to town. Yeah. You guys excited about King James? Nah, come on. Come on. I'm excited about King James. And you know, the the big thing about King James is that I know he knows. If I I know he knows this. Uh, If if the Lakers are going to flourish, right, if we're going to have a championship, King James needs to leave his crown at the door. Right? King James needs to leave his crown at the door, right? He's got to come in, and he's got to make those other teammates flourish. Right? He has to make those other players. He has to elevate their game. He has to create chemistry. He has to be about serving and loving his teammates if that team is going to win a championship because individuals don't win championships, right? Individuals do not just make an organization run. Right? Whatever you're going to do in life, it's not an individual pursuit. It is usually a team pursuit, right? And teams need everybody to play, everybody to flourish if they're going to raise their team to the highest potential, right? And as we look at this series, Flourish, today, as we open up God's Word to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, Jesus came to build an amazing team. Jesus came that we might flourish, not just in our own individual lives, but in our relationships. He wants to see families flourish through teamwork and servant love, right? The church is a team of people. It's not about one guy, you know, doing all the work, Ben or myself, the professionals. It's about a team of volunteers that come into this building and serve this place every week. And give their heart and soul. That's what makes a church work. That's what makes your business work. You need a team of gifted individuals to flourish. 
You need that in the workplace. You need that in the community. If the communities that we serve don't have a team of gifted people serving that community on the police force, the fire, the government, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so Jesus knew that. Jesus came that we might have a flourishing life and that he would show us the way to flourishing. And so he had this amazing uh, desire. And it was a desire to serve others with love. That was the desire of his heart. That's why he came. That's why he left his crown at the door and came and took on skin. And he said to his disciples, the men that he was trying to train in this lifestyle of flourishing, if you really want to know what greatness and flourishing is all about, what you'll do is understand it is the servant is the one that really creates true flourishing in life. Here he is with his disciples, and he's taught contrasting the leadership of Jesus, followers, their disciples, spiritual leadership, spiritual flourishing versus the model of the world. All the kings and kingdoms, all, all the, the power brokers, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Right? It's about power. It's about position. It's about authority. It's about getting my way and getting it now. It's about making it happen the way I want it to happen. Power, control, authority, stuff, right? That's how they live. They rule it over people. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Not so with you if you're going to be a follower of mine and you're going to flourish under the kingdom of God. Not so with you. Whoever wants to become great must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all, for even the Son of Man, that's a messianic term for Jesus, even the Messiah, even the Son of God, did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Jesus came to serve us, to put our needs first, To give his life so that we might be forgiven, that we might have God's grace and his love, that we might be restored to relationship to God, which was broken by the fall of mankind and our own selfishness and pride. Jesus came to build that bridge, restore that relationship, and bring us into a life of heavenly love and flourishing. Flourishing happens when we are humble. When we humble ourselves before God, when we receive his grace and mercy, and we humble ourselves before others, the people that God puts in front of us every day, where we live, where we work, and we play. When we humble ourselves and we serve others, there's an opportunity for true flourishing to happen. That's the way lives are really changed. That's the way families are really formed. That's the way organizations really go when people serve each other with humble servant love. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, John chapter 13, he was in Jerusalem. It was the Passover, right? They were celebrating the Jewish festival. And his disciples had made preparations in the upper room. And they all hustled in the upper room. And they were having a conversation, right? About who was going to be the greatest, right? Jesus was the Messiah. He was coming into town. He was going to be a king. He was going to take his crown in an earthly kingdom. And they were all going to flourish under his rule, right? I want this seat. I want that seat. I want this place in your cabinet, right? I want to rule over this position. I'm going to, who's going to be the greatest here? Who's the one that Jesus is going to choose to be number one, right? 
They're having a conversation because that's what guys do, right? Who's going to win the champ? Who's, got the, who's the best team? My team's the best team. No, LeBron's better than this. No, Kobe was the best. No, no, it was Michael Jordan. We, we fight about anything, right? We compete and we compare. What's the best restaurant? What's the best company? Who's got the most money? Who's got the biggest, fastest car, right? Who's got the biggest guns, right? right? Who can do the biggest flip off the jump, right? Who's the best, right? We're about that, right? And Jesus said, you know what, if you, if you really want to flourish, it's not about getting and gaining and going up. It's actually about laying down. It's actually about serving others. It's actually about giving yourself away. And that's what he did when he walked into the upper room. He didn't say, you guys, here I am, number one. No, he said, here I am to serve and to love. It says in John 13, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the full, it says. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus, to to serve himself and to give him up, right? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and that he was returning to the Father. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You see, Jesus was the servant of all. He walked in that room and he saw the need. He saw where the disciples' hearts were, you know, formed around competition, formed around finding the way to the top, formed around human flourishing ideas. And again, he wanted to show them where true life and flourishing would come from in his kingdom as they continued forward in the future. And so he picked up a talon basin and he served them with love. He was submitted to the Father's plan. Guys, we don't serve out of fear. Jesus doesn't call us to serve him out of fear and to love others out of fear. If I don't do this, God's going to torch me or... Uh, he's going to get after me. That, that's, that's, that's a slave. God didn't create us to be slaves. He created us to be servants of love. We don't serve out of fear, but we also don't serve out of pride. We don't serve because, hey, I go to church and I got my act together and, you know, I read the Bible so I'm better than you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge you with my service. I'm going to look down upon you. No, no, we serve out of love. We serve as sons and daughters of the King. Jesus served as a son. He knew that all authority had been given to him. He was secure in the Father's love. He knew that he had come from the Father. He was the Son of God. He knew his identity. He knew where he was going. He knew that he was going to give his life and that God was going to raise him and bring him back to a place at the right hand. He knew all of that, and so he served out of a fullness of love. That's what we're, how we're called to serve, out of the security of knowing that God loves us. He's given all things, in or- we have been given every spiritual gift in the heavenly realms in Christ. We are rich with God's love and his mercy, and he's given us love so we can pour that out and serve others. You don't serve as a slave, you serve as a son. Shout out to those of you who serve in the hospitality industry. That's an industry that I, I work in, you know? 
And that is a hard working industry. A lot of most of the hospitality people can't even go to church because they're working today out there, serving others, coffee, food, schlocking, doing everything to put a plate of food, hot coffee, whatever it is, on somebody's table. I grew up in that industry. And my first job was to be a bus slave. Anybody ever worked as a bus slave? Bus boy, I mean bus boy. I was a bus boy. You know, bus boys, man, you got the tub, man, you're in the, you got the towel, you're schlocking food, you're getting stuff all over you, you're, it's just a messy, dirty job at the end, at the end of the day, you just want to throw your clothes away, because they just stink and smell like grease and food, it is, it is a dirty job, right? It's the servant of the restaurant, but you know what was unique about me is I never served as a slave, I never served as an employee almost, I served as a son, because my father owned the business, my father owned the store. And so what? At the end of the shift, dad would come and say, here's the menu, man. You can order whatever you want. You want steak and lobster? It's yours. You want a prime rib? Hey, you see the locker back there? Go in and grab whatever you want to. I served out of knowing that I was a son. There wasn't fear. There, there, there wasn't a need to be better then because I was in my father's business and he served. He was an example. He was a model to me. He was out bussing tables in front of me. He always had a towel in, in his pocket because that's what he did. He was an example and that's how I served. That's how I learned to serve. It was out of my father's love. It wasn't out of fear or worry or thinking I was better then. This was a part of being the team. This is what it meant to do. That's what Jesus did. He said, my father's business is to serve. I'm always watching him. Where is he? He's out there looking for the broken one. He's out there looking for the hurting one, the lost one, the one sheep. He's going after that sheep. He's leaving the 90. That's where my father's out. I'm going to join him in his business and serve. He served out of security and love. And you're a part of that business too. You're part of the father's business now. You're his beloved child. He's adopted you. And we serve out of love. And that's Jesus' identity in us. He humbled himself. The sovereign of all the universe who holds everything in his hands, humbled himself. He didn't take a crown. He left it at the door. He picked up a towel and basin, right? The most menial job. I mean, in those days, people had sandals and the roads weren't paved. And so people's feet, man, they were full of dung and dirt and disease, and when you ate, you ate at a low table. So you leaned on your side, right? And so your feet were always in somebody else's face. <laughs> and so general hospitality rules is somebody would have a slave there or a servant to wash people's feet and put a little perfume on it so that they, they weren't stinky at the table and didn't ruin everybody's meal. And these guys are clueless, right? They forget to, to deal with this common thing of hospitality. And so everybody comes in with stinky feet. The meal's stinky. And Jesus goes, you know what? I need to show these guys what love is really about, right? I want to remind them again why I came and what their, their task is going to be when I'm gone. And so he humbled himself. He washed their feet. And that's the same way he came to service, to wash us, right? This is a picture of what he did on the cross. He washed us. Today we're going to take communion. It's a reminder that he washed us with his own body and blood. He laid it down so that we could be clean and whole and forgiven and come before God. And when God sees us, he sees us as a beautiful, wonderful child that he's adopted in his son. Is that the most amazing thing? Does that excite you guys that Jesus did that for us? It's awesome. And Jesus said, this is what it means to be a part of my team. This is team Jesus, right? This is the pathway to ultimate blessing in your marriage, right? I do premarital counseling all the time, you know? 
And I, I counsel men who come in and, and are totally single, right? And they're all about themselves. And gals, they're all about themselves. And I say, you guys want to have a great marriage? Here's a towel and basin. Start washing each other's feet, <laughs> right? That's the key to a great marriage. That's the key to a great family. That's a key to a great organization. And Jesus was showing that to his disciples. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you guys understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher, right? You put me up here on a pedestal. You call me even Lord, right? God, right? Sovereign, right? And rightly so. That's who I am. I am the Lord of all creation. I am the teacher. I am the master. But, but what is it what I've done now? Now that I am your Lord and teacher and I've washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. This is the way that flourishing happens on this planet, that you should do as I've done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the one who sent him, right? Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed. God didn't ask us to serve so we would grumble and be angry and bummer, i got to serve again. So we'd have these sour faces and go, oh, woe is me, I've got to serve, put on the Jesus chain, ball and chain, and serve others. He gave us the talent basin because that's where real blessing comes from. That's where life truly happens. That's when we get out of the way and we let God move in and through us and amazing things can happen when we serve others in Christ's love. That's why he gave us this model. He knew that that was the way to flourish in. He did it for us and now he invites us to do it with him and to love and serve others. It's life's greatest adventure. What is that blessing? Many of you have served. Many of you have done things in this church. You serve in your community. What is the blessing, the spiritual blessing, the ultimate blessing that Jesus brings into our lives when we choose to serve with him? We choose to walk with him and serve the poor or serve our children and our family, serve our coworkers and our friends. We, we choose to love them and help them become successful. We choose to give our agenda our control, our power away in order to serve others. What is the blessing that God wants to do in our hearts and through us? What does that look like? It looks like personal transformation. You see, serving is not just for the person being served. It also changes us. As a matter of fact, I might argue with you, sometimes the greater blessing is not in the person getting it, it's the person giving it. <laughs> it's the greatest blessing of all because it changes your heart. It forms you around the heart of God. You see, Apostle Paul, who was one of the followers of Jesus, wrote to a church in Philippi, which was a Roman colony, and they were full of power and success. And again, just like in our world, how do you define success? Well, it's the house you live in. It's the title you have. It's how much money is in your bank account. It's it's, it's the chariot that you ride in, right? That defines power and success. And Jesus, through Paul, started a church in Philippi. And this church was to be a countercultural example of what life really was all about. A subversive example to the world is that here's where true flourishing comes from. Not through power, money, success, but by giving yourself away and loving others. And so Paul says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition. That's the world's model of flourishing. It ultimately doesn't work. It's ultimately bankrupt. Instead, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking out just for your own interest, 
But each of you should look out the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Jesus. Put on that servant attitude and serve one another. Don't just live for selfish ambition and what you can gain and control, but use the stuff that God has given you, yes, to take care of yourself, but also to bless others, right? That's life's greatest adventure. You see, as we follow Jesus, he starts to form our hearts around different values and different things. And those are really the values of the heart of God, the character of God. And you know, you just can't say, I'm going to show up and just, I will myself to be humble today. I'm just going to power up in my own strength and be humble. It doesn't work that way, right? That produces pride (laughs) and judgment, right? Jesus says if you're willing to serve others and put their needs first, right? If you're willing to submit to God's plan of loving him and loving others, what happens is he starts to change your heart and form your heart around different things. And he gives you the gift of humility. Humility is a beautiful gift because you know what? God is the most humble being in the universe. God is the most humble being in the universe, Jesus didn't hold on to his crown. He willingly let go of his crown. He emptied himself, and he became the servant of all because of his humility, because that's who God is. He's a lover. He's a giver. And so if we want to have the heart of God and we want to be formed like Jesus, we want to allow him to build humility into our lives, and we do that by serving others and loving others, right? And this beautiful gift happens. It's the gift of self-forgetfulness. I rarely experience this gift, but sometimes I do. And it's the most blessed thing to be able to walk in the room and not care what people think about you. Not have to compare yourself. Who's the head guy here? Who's the low guy here? Where do I fit in the pecking order? What a burden, right? And when we do that, we either feel insecure, so we move to the side of the room. I'm less than. Nobody wants to talk to me. Woe is me, right? Or we get, we get to the front of the room and go, hey, hey, everybody, look at me, look at me. Hey, I'm the best, I'm the best. We've got to tell stories, we've got to get a crowd. It's either ego here or it's less than there. But Jesus wants to give us the gift of self-forgetfulness. Not thinking great of ourselves, less than ourselves, just not thinking of ourselves at all. Being so free in his love to be able to love and serve the hurting and the broken person in the room. That is the greatest gift of all. Not to be burdened with fear and pride that destroys our relationships, it destroys our businesses. Why is the divorce rate in America so high? I would say because married people haven't learned the gift of self-forgetfulness and learning how to serve their spouse in love. Selfishness is the cause of divorce. It's all about me and getting my agenda and my will done. Why do families break apart? Control, pride, and selfishness. Why do organizations not flourish? Control, pride, and selfishness, right? God wants to give us the gift of self-forgetfulness. It deals with my tendency. And I got it too, guys. I got ego too. I got pride too. I struggle with this. But when I serve and I, I grab the talent basin and I ask Jesus to work in my life, what does he help me with? He helps me with my desire to demand my own way. To get my own way and demand my own way. Helps me let that down. It's not about my way. It's about your way, Father. Helps me with my need to be noticed. Gosh, you know, I got to be noticed. I got to get affirmed. I got to post on Facebook so everybody likes me. Or otherwise, I'm not affirmed. I'm not not liked. I'm not loved. Gosh, wouldn't it be great to have our teenagers throw that away? 
Our young adults not have to live their life on Facebook and value their identity by their posts or their Snapchats and who, who loves them and likes them? Would that be freeing? This is what her service does. It frees us of that need to be noticed and have everybody have to affirm us, to compare and criticize and judge ourselves and judge others, to take the credit for everything, but to give the credit to others and God. What an amazing thing. If this stuff gets into our lives, into our relationships, it changes the world. It changes us, and it changes the world. See, it begins by God changing our heart and giving us the gift of humility. Anru Nuri is an amazing woman. Uh, She grew up in a culture where women were not affirmed in the workplace. Women were not empowered to be all that they could be in their careers and their lives. But she had a mom that believed in her. And so every night at dinner, her mom would take her and her sister and say, you guys need to make a speech. And I'm going to choose the best speech, and whoever wins gets to be president for the night or gets to be the world leader for the night. And so she and her sister would give speeches, and her mom would choose that. And she grew up believing in herself that she could do great things. Eventually, one day, Henri, she became the president of Pepsi, PepsiCo. And she came home, and she wanted to share this with her family, and her mom just happened to be there that night in in the house. And she walked in, and she said, I've got great news. And her mom said, hey, hey. Your news can wait. There's no milk in, 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 the, in, the, in the refrigerator, and there's no food for dinner. You need to go to the store and take care of this. But mom, what are you talking about? Ask Raj to do it. Raj was her husband. No, no, I'm not Raj's mother. I'm your mother. And Raj looks really tired, so you need to do this. She was frustrated. She had, okay, went down to the store, picked up some food, came with the groceries, put them down, said, Mom, I hope you're satisfied. And it just blew my big news. I just got given the president a Pepsi, and you want me to go out for milk? And she said, honey, you know what? When you walk through that door, you're a mother. When you walk through that door, you're a wife. When you walk through that door, you're a daughter. When Raj walks through that door, he's a husband, he's a son, he's a father. You know, when you come home, you need to leave your crown in the garage. You need to walk in the door and be who you were created to be. She said that was the greatest piece of leadership wisdom she ever got as she led PepsiCo for 12 years, was her mom talking to her about servant love, the wisdom of Jesus. If you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to take up your cross, I will allow your life to flourish in and through me. I will change you as you change others. Personal transformation, but also purposeful living. Living life on purpose, living the life that you were created to live, doing the work that is eternal and lasting. It says in the book of Ephesians that we, were God, we are God's handiwork. We are God's craftsmanship. Each one of you is God's poem, God's masterpiece, God's sculptory that he's created to bring his life to the world. You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God did not save you so that you just accumulate good stuff. That's not what, what's it about. Orange County says life is about accumulating good stuff and getting good things and having all I want. God saved you so that you would do good works. Works where you live and play and put his life and love on display. You see, each one of you has been gifted by God for service. 
If you know Jesus Christ, he's placed his spirit inside of you and he's given you a spiritual gift, a unique gift for you to serve his people and serve others that expresses his love and his life in the world. Paul, writing to the the church in Corinth about this, says, don't be ignorant about this church. Don't be ignorant about this, disciples. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed or ignorant or unaware. Each one of you has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the common good of the church. Just as a body, though one has many parts, and all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ and his church. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Do you know that you didn't choose this church only? God placed you in this church. If you're a part of Waterwork, God placed you with a very purpose. He puts you here to be a flourishing member of the body of Christ. Your, your vital gift is needed so this community can flourish and we can accomplish the vision that God has given us. A generational vision, a conversational, authentic love vision, that won't be accomplished without every part of the body connected and flourishing, just like in your own body. It won't happen without that. And so just as he placed them as he wanted them, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You're a part of a body. You're a part of this spiritual unity. And out of that, your gifts, as you come together, they serve and they bring God's grace and his love and the gospel to the world. Each one of us has been given this gift for the good of all. God has placed you here for a purpose. Flourishing is not an individual thing, guys. We've been given a gospel and a Christian message that flourishing is just about your individual life. Just listen to a podcast, get a good sermon, and go live your life the way you want it. That is not the gospel. That is not what the New Testament teaches. You have been saved and placed into a body, into a family, and you're not going to flourish without receiving grace and love and the lifeblood of the body and without giving it out, right? Every part of your body gives and re- receives and gives out, right? What, what happens if one morning you wake up and your hand goes, you know what, I'm sorry, man, I don't want to be part of this gig anymore, and your hand just walks off. What if you woke up one day and all of a sudden your leg decided, hey, I, I'm not, I don't want any of this gig anymore. I, I'm just going to go do it on my own, right? Or your eye or your ear. Is that, would that be crazy if your body started floating in different places? Well, you know what? We have a church in America where people just come to church and go, you know what? Hey, thanks, man. I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm going to live my own church, my own way, and my own life. It's a consumer Christianity. That's not the gospel. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says you're a part of a community and you're here for a purpose, let us help you discover that purpose. Ben and I will meet with you for coffee. We'll get you involved in learning about how God shaped you. We'll show you pathways to service and flourishing at this church so you can be everything that God created you to be. And Watermark can be the body that God wants it to be. We need you in the game. We need your gifts. We need your acts of service. It makes a huge difference, and it builds purpose because you're using the stuff that God created you to use, right? Isn't it great when you use the gifts that God created you to use, and you're good at those gifts? You go, wow, that's the most amazing. God wants every one of you to feel that purpose, right? Beyond anything else is the purpose that's connected to something eternal. 
So let us help you get involved in that. God created you to be purposeful through servanthood. And finally, it's life's greatest partnership. Because when God changes us and he gives us a humble servant heart, when God brings our gifts together in unity, when, when teachers teach and greeters greet and, and, and mercy givers give mercy and helpers help and prayers pray, intercessors pray and counselors counsel, right? And every part of the body comes and, and greeters greet. Every part starts working. The body starts to flourish and grow and lives are changed, not just inside of the church, but outside of the church. And that's God's plan. It's a partnership in the things that last. You know, the world's telling you, you know, get a bucket list. You know, you get a bucket list, man. I got, how many years I got left? I got maybe 20, 30 years. Man, if I'm lucky, what's in my bucket list? Man, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go climb, climb, my, climb Mount Everest. I'm going to mountain bike in Canada. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go shoot a shoot a, an elk and put them on my wall. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all my money and go travel, and I'm going to go to the best restaurant. It's here. It's in New York. I'm going to get in that restaurant, and I'm going to have a great meal. There's my bucket list. Wow. Is, the, is that real life? And Jesus offers you a whole different kind of a bucket list, right? Jesus says, you know, that, that bucket list, that really is not going to give you what you want. Because the bucket list is filled with people. That's why you are on his bucket list. You know that? You know that if you were the only person ever to be born, he still would have come and died for you. You know your name is written on the palm of his hand. He, he could not, not stay. He had to leave. He had to leave his crown at the door to come to give his life and bleed and die for you so you could be with him for eternity. And here's the bucket list. It's the people in your community. It's the people that you go home to every day. It's the people that you serve. It's the people in your neighborhood. It's the people in your office place. God's heart bleeds for those people. And he sent you to be his ambassador, to love them, to fill your bucket with his grace and his love so that you would overflow into their lives. That's flourishing. Paul says he's in prison. His bucket list is not religious works anymore. It's the people of God. It's the gospel. And he says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion of, until the day of Christ Jesus. We get to participate in life's greatest adventure. We get to participate in giving the gospel and showing the gospel. And the world is kind of turned off by the church right now. The world says, you guys are hypocrites. You guys are judgmental. You guys are in your little buildings and ivory towers looking down on us. And what's going to change on that when we take the talon basin, when we leave the crown at the door and we take the talon basin and we love the homeless like we do with Joanne every week when we serve the poor and the homeless of Costa Mesa, the world's going to change. We go to Mexico and we build homes and we give it to the poor and the needy and we hand them a home and we tell them that Jesus wants to make a home, the home in their heart. The world is going to change. We, we pull out our money and we give them. We plant a church in Costa Mesa and Francisco is reaching the Latino and we're bridging, we're bridging and we're creating unity between the races and the nations. The world's going to change. Politics is not going to do that, guys. Politics is full of human wisdom and judgment. It's going to take the church. It's going to take the gospel. It's going to take bleeding servant love. 
sacrifice. It's going to take your money. It's going to take your power. It's going to take your time. But it is life's greatest adventure. Because when you stand before God one day and you give account of your bucket, he's going to say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You took your life and you gave it away. Enter my rest. Is that a life worth living? Is that a gospel worth giving? Is that what we're here for? That's what we're here for. So let's be the church. Let's take the towel and basin. Let's love our neighbors. Let's love our families. Let's love our friends. Let's celebrate the love that Jesus has for us. As the band comes up, we're going to close our service with communion. It is the greatest place where we celebrate God's servant love for us. Every week we come to these tables. We take a cracker and we dip it in some juice. And we say, thank you, Jesus, for pouring out your love, for serving me, for giving yourself away for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your servant love. And so this morning, we invite you to take that, to receive Christ's love, to receive his forgiveness, his grace. Ask him to fill you up so that you could pour out and serve others. Who's the person that God's called you to to serve? Who's the person in your neighborhood? Who's the person at your workplace? Who's the person in your friendships and your family that God's called you to serve with love? Let's bow our heads, prepare our hearts to take communion. Father, thank you so much for this love that you've given to us. It's amazing. It's amazing that you came, you died, and that you gave yourself for us. You served us to the full. Today, would you fill us with that same love as we celebrate your love? forgiveness, grace, mercy, healing. Would you heal us? Would you allow us to go out and be your hands and feet and be a part of healing the world, be a part of serving our neighbors? Lord, I pray for the Del Mesa community. We're going to go do a pumpkin patch there, and I pray that we would just be full of servant love, that we'd give them those pumpkins, that we have smiles on our faces, that we'd love them with your love, and that you would create conversations, God conversations, authentic love through us, that people might know who you are that more people will come to know you. So fill us today. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.